Welcome back to the finale of the Get Back Coach. On Monday, Michigan versus Washington for the national title. But before we get into that, how did these teams get here? And we're going to kick it off with the Rose Bowl. Michigan against Alabama. Michigan defeats the Crimson Tide 27-20 in overtime. Jay, I don't know how you felt about this game, but watching this one, it was like every single score felt important. Every single score was like, is that going to be the last time someone's going to score in this game? It just seemed like points were very hard to come by, and then everything was crucial. Every um, first down was crucial to flip field position. Um, but what a fantastic game. Yeah. Uh, I mean, watching this game, we knew it was going to be a trench battle going in, and and, and that's how it turned out uh, really back and forth. Michigan had some mistakes uh, that kind of kept Alabama around. It felt like Michigan was a better team for most of that game, but, the, you know, he had some special teams miscues uh, that, that allowed Alabama to, to get the lead. Uh, and then Michigan trailing Alabama in the, in the second half. Uh, but able to come back, tie the game up, and then they win the game in overtime. And, uh, you know, honestly, like, fantastic contest. Uh, about what I expected as far as more of a low-scoring, plotting, uh, a lot, lot of uh, difficulty scoring like you mentioned. But uh, it was it was a fun one. Uh, obviously, anytime you get an overtime game in the playoffs, uh, you're going to be pretty excited about it. Yeah, and, you know, a lot of people were talking about that final play. <laughs> Um, Jalen Milrow takes the ball. Um, it looked like it was a, a straight up the middle QB run. Um, but looking at a couple other people, Dan Orlovsky commented on this. I know Adam Brenneman talked about it on his podcast, he even created a nice little graphic for everybody that looked like an RPO at the end. Um, and if you watch that play over running back, uh, does a, a swing route comes out of the backfield, uh, both, Receivers are man blocking on two defensive backs. It looked like Alabama knew that, you know, down towards the goal line, fourth down, Michigan was going to be in straight man to man. And they knew the middle linebacker was going to be taking um, that running back. And it looked like it was there. But what happened is the Alabama center puts a low snap that throws the whole thing off. Jalen Milrow now has to abandon that swing pass and then goes right up the middle. Um, guards were pulling. Um, but in a situation like that, you know, low snap, you're just kind of picking, picking the ball up and trying to get as much as you can. But I don't, what did you see? Cause I, I thought it was uh, a variation of an RPO. Yeah, I agree with your assessment there. RPO, uh, all the way, but it was, uh, the low snap kind of messed it up. And then, you know, Milrow kind of has to scramble because it's a low snap and he just decides to take it in, which I don't really blame him for. Mm -hmm. Obviously, uh, Nick Saban, you know, didn't want to throw his players under the bus. I think we both agree on that. So that's why he didn't. That's why he said it was a designed run uh, in the postgame presser. Uh, Mm -hmm. But I I feel like looking at the coverage and and the fact that the back swinging out afterwards, like Mm -hmm. I'm pretty sure that was an RPO. And and honestly, they schemed it up pretty good. Oh, they did. They did. I mean, the only thing that would 
and again, I, I don't believe they would do that is if they knew 100% that middle linebacker was going to be man to man and they thought, Hey, we want him to go with him to, you know, get another guy in the box to leave. But I just think that running back is either kicking out the edge, um, the edge man or something. I, I don't think that they would just let that running back just be window dressing. You know what I'm saying? I, I think it would be more of like a – I don't think they would run it in the inside, right? I think it would be more right. of like a pin and pull type scheme, something like that, where you get Miller on the edge with a chance to use his speed a little bit more rather than just straight into the box. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and But no, listen, great game in the prestigious Rose Bowl. And Jay, the Rose Bowl to me, is and I don't know how you feel about it because you are a Texas you are a Texas man, okay, a Texas A and M man, but you're from Texas. Um, but I know you're a you know diehard college football fan. But the Rose Bowl means something. Like I know to a lot of Big Ten fans, I know to Pac twelve fans, like the Rose Bowl means something to us. That I feel like this cannot be just a regular playoff game going forward. I feel like, and I don't know again because the money people are going to get involved. I feel like the Rose Bowl and the Sugar Bowl should be our semifinals every year. I would not be mad about that. Uh, it, it just feels like one of those classic college football venues, and I think it's a perfect place to have the semifinal game. Uh, you know, the only thing is, I mean, the Rose Bowl is so adamant about when they play it, mm-hmm. uh, and with the semifinals moving to like the second week of January now, that could be an issue. We'll see. Mm-hmm. I mean. There's a lot of things that the Rose Bowl is kind of a little bit sticky about uh, mm-hmm. with it, which rightfully oh, so. But it's yeah, but some some of it I think you have to kind of like bear with. But I, mm-hmm. I do agree that like if I'm picking two permanent sites uh, for the college football semifinals, I would go with the Rose Bowl and the Sugar Bowl. Mm-hmm. Uh, the only other game i would put up there is if the cotton bowl was still played in the cotton bowl but it's not it's played it's jerry bowl now which i don't like at yeah. all uh just honestly like if i could convince him to play the sun bowl in the playoffs <laughs> i would love that but i just i just don't think i'm going to be able to convince people the sun bowl needs to be pre- like i and we're going to talk about this a little a little bit later but we don't know what's going to happen with the rest of these bowl games um and the sun bowl needs to be preserved yes. like that's one of them that needs to be it, it's one of the og ones like it's it's one of the oldest bowl games and it needs to stay there. Um but going back also, to the Rose Bowl, I just yeah. say that like the Rose Bowl as a setting combined with the classic Alabama and Michigan jerseys. Mm-hmm. Uh, I really love the visuals uh all around for that with the sun setting and all that. I mean it, I was just going to say realize, yeah. uh, it's it's an aesthetic thing that doesn't really matter all that much but I loved it. It's the sun setting in like the third quarter um, with those two iconic jerseys, those iconic uniforms, iconic brands, um, two blue bloods, two purebred blue bloods of college football going at it. I mean, it it was a fantastic Rose Bowl for the um, the fourteen playoff era, and I hope they can figure something out because you know the parade on New Year's Day also. Um, you know they're not going to want to give up that parade either because that parade is something within itself. Um, as we go to the Sugar Bowl, Washington beats Texas 37-31. And 
this game started out like it was going to be one of those classic shootouts. Um, kind of calmed down a little bit. Defense has settled in a little bit towards the end. But, um, I mean, th- this game still had a lot of points. And where I said Michigan-Washington, it seemed like every point was crucial and hard to come by. Once one team scored in this one, it was like, okay, it was only a matter of time before the other person answered. Um, but this one, again, we got two classic games. Um, Washington and Texas didn't disappoint. Uh, so sorry uh, to interrupt this. Great game. I'm going to go back to Michigan and Alabama real quick. Because oh. uh, Chris Lowe of ESPN, ESPN senior writer, uh, is tweeting that Saban has just informed his team that he's retiring. No way. So <laughs> I wanted to just bring that up before we got too deep into the Washington. Wow. Breaking. I, yeah. So <laughs> this wow. will be breaking news tomorrow. But uh, listen, uh, I, I double checked the handle. CeeLo yes. ESPN. Uh, it looks pretty legit. Uh, first, he tweets, Nick Saban is retiring, sources tell ESPN, and then he tweeted that uh, Saban informed his team he's retiring. So uh, that is massive uh, news in the college football landscape. Amazing. Wow. Um, <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Didn't well, mean to derail the conversation. That was... like, I had to bring that up as soon as I saw it. You know, it's crazy. Um you know, this year we went down, you know, me and my buddies went down to Alabama and we specifically said the reason why we wanted to do Alabama this year was because we wanted to see Nick, you know, see Nick Saban with the Crimson Tide, you know, because we felt he may be retiring and wow, absolutely. Um, I mean... I, I, we have to talk. We have to talk about this. Um, yeah. So <laughs> our our plan is some things. <laughs> I know we. Um, so first, uh, Nick Saban, you know, Michigan State, then goes to LSU, wins a title with LSU. Um, you know, does screw up the Miami Dolphins. We won't get into that. But you want to talk about probably the greatest college football coach of all time. And if you say he isn't, he's at least in the uh, – he's there. Um, he's on the Mount Rushmore without a doubt. Yes, he is on the Mount Rushmore of college football coaches. He is um, – I mean, he's not going to have the all-time wins because there are coaches who, you know, again, it's a different day and age. And plus Saban tried his hand in um, the NFL where others didn't. But if you want to talk about winning championships, I mean – Nick Saban did it in an era and no offense to, you know, the bear Bryant's, the, the bear Bryant's of the world, but he did it in an era that I think was a lot more difficult where I think guys back then could lie to lie to players and say, Hey, you can come here and play right away. And then you can have like four of the best quarterbacks in the country all on your team. You know, you could kind of keep them away from everyone else. And, Saban coached, you know, BCS era, now playoff era, and all these changes throughout college football, and he did it through it all. Um, he's the been the most consistent coach. Um, yeah, if he's not the greatest college football coach of all time, he is without question on the Mount Rushmore of college coaches. 
College, hang on. How about that? College coaches, not even just football. College yeah. coaches. He's up there. Yeah, I, I agree wholeheartedly. I mean, uh, wow. I, I didn't, I didn't know this day was coming. This, I mean, we knew it was coming eventually down the pipeline, right? But uh, that's uh, that's pretty fast. And who knows? To... Maybe he changes his mind. Maybe he pulls a Tom Brady. But uh, you know that. I mean, it's just wild. Uh, so many accolades for for Nick Saban, and he's been a winner just about everywhere he's been. So, uh, mm. wow, big day in college football for sure. I just want to re- really quick. Um, I just want to pull up Saban's credentials. Um, and listen, West Virginia man too, Jay Fairmont, Fairmont, West Virginia, um, about thirty minutes south of Morgantown. Um, in college, he's 292 and 71 with a tie. He's 19 and 12 in bowl games, seven national titles, 11 conference titles, a MAC championship. Can't forget about that. Uh, I'm, I'm Toledo, um, 12 Western Division champions, uh, pretty much, you know, dominated that division. Uh, you know, it, which is not an easy division no, to dominate. <laughs> no, no. Um, doesn't get the 300. I, I thought he would stick around one more year to get the 300 wins. But again, do you, do you think Saban cares about that? I don't think so. I don't think so. I, I don't. I don't think so. Um, but no, he's definitely one. He's greatest of all time. He is. He's, I mean, and went through all these different changes in college football. So, you know what's crazy, Jay? I feel like we <laughs> we always miss out on this. And um, let's just say, good good thing, um, good thing we had some unfortunate events yesterday with Wi Fi <laughs> going out. Um, yeah, so for everybody listening, uh, pull your well, pull the curtain back a little bit. Um, Yesterday we had some Wi-Fi issues. Uh, the wind in State College and in Houston were absolutely terrible, so we didn't have an established Wi-Fi, so we couldn't we couldn't record. Um, and so we had to push it to today. And yeah, good thing we did because we usually miss out on some of this stuff. But wow, Nick Nick Saban again. He might pull the Tom Brady. I mean, he might. Felt- Feldman is is also confirming it now, so I feel pretty confident. Oh my that, god! Uh, that <laughs> this is uh, this is Saban. Uh, wait, wait, wait. I have to, I have to send the tweet. Jay, I have to send the tweet. <laughs> James, I've heard James Franklin has ties to Tuscaloosa, Alabama. <laughs> Man, <laughs> um, so. Man, how how are we going to keep going with this pod? Um, all right, so Washington, Washington and Texas, <laughs> Washington and Texas. Um, so again, this one felt like it was going to be in the forties. Still, a pretty high scoring game. Um, Jay, run through um, the end of that game because we had a lots of drama and almost tragedy um, strike. Um, walk everybody who maybe. Um, needs a little bit more remembering of what did you see in the, those final two minutes of Washington, Texas? Cause it was, it was 
a wild roller coaster. Yeah. Uh, I mean, it was it was a game that I thought was over. I tweeted, hey, I already tweeted I was excited about the national championship matchup with Michigan and Washington, and I almost had to walk that back. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, Washington recovers an onside. First, Washington going in to kick a field goal. Uh, they throw the ball on third down that, that keeps Texas from burning a timeout. Uh, and then they recover an onside kick, uh, but they try to run it out and try to get the first down. And on third down, uh, Dylan Johnson gets hurt and it stops the clock. Uh, and then Texas very nearly goes back down the field and pulls off just an incredible all-time uh, comeback. Uh, thankfully, for my own sake, as an AM fan <laughs> who did not want to see Texas in the national championship, uh, Washington manages to get a big time PBU uh, to close out the game. Uh, and we got Washington and Michigan in the championship. Uh, but I did want to talk about the Dylan Johnson injury and, and what happened there. And man, I just feel like that rule is so dumb that the, the clock completely mm-hmm. stops. Uh, when someone gets injured, I feel like once they get the guy off the field, get everybody settled, lined up, uh, then you can signal to start the clock and and then start the clock running. Uh, it just I feel like it's so dumb that that basically gave Texas a free timeout. Yeah, and I think you could definitely put something in place where if um, a let's say a team is winning the game um, that the clock can start with the play clock. Um, But the problem is if the team is, if the team is down, um, you know, you don't want guys like faking injuries to like stop the clock, um, you know, to get everybody set up and get a pretty much like a free timeout. Um, But I guess, you know, you could say like, Hey, you you could give them like a, what, like a 10 second runoff. It's like to penalize them or like if a team's winning then hey there's nothing wrong with that but if a team's losing and they have an injury like that then um obviously they wouldn't do it because they're going to hurt their own chances like that um so i think that might be a solution there it is a dumb rule and i'm so glad that it didn't affect the outcome because that would have just been absolutely tragic um i know kalen DeBoer got a little aggressive towards the end um but you never want to see an injury like that to a guy like dylan johnson who is just um you know was not was not 100 percent and just played through an injury um you would hate to have that come back and be a factor in a in a loss of that magnitude but um washington wins they beat texas um and that sets the table for a national title and so national title happened on monday michigan defeats washington and jay i thought this one was going to get away from Washington early. Yeah. Like I thought that wa- that Michigan was going to win this game handily, but man, give credit to Washington. They hung in there all game. Yeah. So uh, we talked about Michigan just dominating in the run game, and we knew that was going to be the matchup, right? Like the verticality of Washington's offense versus a more powered approach on the offense from the Wolverines. Uh, and I mean, Michigan just came out and punched Washington in the mouth. Uh, you know, you had a couple big runs from Donovan Edwards. Uh, and, I mean, first of all, let me, I, I don't know if I've touched on this, but Washington came out with two three techniques. 
uh, on the yeah. defensive line, mm-hmm. which just left the interior line. There's so much space there for guys to work up to the second level. Uh, just a terrible decision to to go with that front. Uh, and like, I get it if you want to slant guys to different positions and you don't want to give Michigan a clear look at what you're doing. But I think if you're doing that, mm-hmm. you have to line head up as opposed to uh, at a three technique. Uh, and and I mean, I, I get not wanting to go tip for tat with Michigan because you're probably not going to out physical them if you're Washington. Uh, but it, it didn't work out. So Washington in the second half and really towards the end of the second quarter goes to loading up the box and basically saying, Michigan, if you're going to beat us, you're going to have to throw it. And uh, it really kept Washington in the game for the most part through the third quarter. I mean, it's 2013 for most of that. Uh, and it was a close game really until it wasn't. Uh, and then finally, you know, some turnovers happen. Michigan manages to put the game away. Uh Penix didn't look as good as he did against Texas. Uh, there were some drops, uh, but it, it felt like the the better team won at the end of the day. Mm-hmm. Michigan did feel like the better team. And then uh, J.J. McCarthy used his legs a little bit to help out that offense in the second half. I think that's something that uh, uh, wasn't really in the game in the first half. And then, uh, I mean, eventually, like, you, you take all these body punches and it wears you down. And, and I think that's what happened in the fourth quarter with, with Michigan pulling away. No, yeah. Uh, I, Michigan, I think, was clearly the better team. Yeah, Michael Penix didn't look great. You know, like you said, had some drops. Um, you know, there was a big, a big miscommunication. Um, wasn't on the same page with one of his receivers. That could have been a touchdown um, early on for Washington. But listen, Washington's adjustments up front in the trenches helped them tremendously because it did force Michigan to throw. And, you know, credit to J.J. McCarthy because Michigan does not rely on J.J. McCarthy to sling the ball over the yard um, on a, you know, on a down-to-down basis. But towards the end, J.J. made some throws, and, and that's all he had to do. He had to just make a couple throws just to keep Washington off balance, set up the run again. Um, but those runs in the beginning with the uh, Donovan Edwards, where he just runs into a into like um, like a crowded a crowded area, and then just bounces it to the outside, almost like baiting linebackers to get to get in to a pile to get kind of caught in the wash, and then they just bounce it to the outside, and they they do a tremendous job. Donovan Edwards' vision is great, and then you have Blake Corum, who is like in your face up and down north south uh type of runner but no michigan deserved it they absolutely deserved it um and i will say this to the people saying you know michigan cheated and i'm gonna address this here hey, if you ain't cheating you ain't trying first yeah, of all. if yeah if you ain't te- cheating you ain't trying that's the sec motto but i'll say this in 2023 michigan won a legitimate football championship they did not cheat they could not cheat. They were they had magnifying glasses all around them. They could not cheat this year. So this year, Michigan did not cheat. They have they earned this national title. However, if you want to say that it was unfair of how Michigan got here, man, you might have a point. Um, again, 2020, we talk about all the time about giving coaches more time. Jim Harbaugh was almost fired. He was on a very, very hot seat. 
I still think if Rutgers makes a field goal in 2020, Jim Harbaugh's probably fired. They kept them, won three Big Ten championships in a row, and now a national title. Kind of gearing up for this year. It was, it was all gearing for either last year or this year, and it, it worked out. But again, in 2021 and 2022 – you have those sign-stealing allegations. And it's not that they stole signs. Everyone steals signs. But it's how they stole the signs. Uh, going, uh, buying tickets to public venues. Um, you know, Connor Stallions. The, an expert in espionage, almost. You know, coaches got fired for knowing. It's those, if you want to say, hey, how they got there and how they were able to rebuild their program is sketchy and tainted? Absolutely. Because it is. 2021 and 2022, um, they had an illegal advantage. And how they got to the national title, how they built up for 2023 is tainted, yes. But this year they did not. This year they did earn it. Um, But again, there's, even if the NCAA takes it away, even if they vacate the national title, you can't take away a memory, man. You can't. Nope. You can't tell those guys they didn't win it. You can't tell anybody. You can't tell those fans any differently. You cannot. You <laughs> cannot. You cannot take away memories. And I think any of us would trade that feeling for for anything in the world. Absolutely. You can't take away the Reggie Bush Heisman. Can't yeah. take away the Louisville basketball championship. All, all those feelings. And and you know what? I mean, you can't. It's history, right? Like mm-hmm. those teams, like. Everyone's cheating at, at some certain level. Uh, you're never going to convince me that that's not the case. Uh, Michigan was a little bit more brazen about it, perhaps. Uh, <laughs> yeah. But uh, it's not like they're the St. Louis Cardinals, uh, you know, stealing, like hacking into uh, other teams' databases and stealing their information. Uh, we're an anti-St. Louis Cardinals podcast, by the way. Oh. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> you know what? I am, too. They beat the Phillies in 2010. Let's go. So Let's I'm go. In. I'm in for the uh, for the St. Louis Cardinals Cardinals slander. Cheating ass organization right there. <laughs> um, the the Astros get the hate that should be directed at the Cardinals. <laughs> yeah, we can't. Yeah, uh, we have to be very very careful what we say about the Houston Astros. Des and yeah. Des and Stone. Des and Stone will be pulling the plug on us. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> if we stop. But uh, but no, I mean Michigan deserves it, and like. Listen, that's a program that's kind of seen it all. Uh, they've been consistently good for a very long time. They, they had some down years too, Bra- you know, Brady Hoke and Rich Rod. So um, they were able to um, withstand. And Harbaugh, the prodigal son, comes home and wins and, and gets it done. Um, their fans are going to be so obnoxious about this, though. Like it's I mean, they were already started. obnoxious. Yeah, it was already pretty bad. You talked about them coming to Happy Valley and just being was, cocky. Subs. It was the. It was usually there's usually it's a snootier crowd. It's a very kind of elitist type of crowd, Michigan. Um, but it's usually okay. Um, people who go to the big house say like it's fine. Again, it's kind of a snooty crowd. But they were they were. They were talking all sorts of trash and Penn State fans were letting them hear it too. We weren't innocent either, but um, it was, it was the most toxic I've ever seen a stadium this year. And I think yeah. it's only going to get worse, but they don't see them next year. So 
which I wish they did, but that's neither here nor there. But anyway, Michigan national champions. Um, Big Ten kind of puts a bookend on the four team college football playoff era with Ohio State and now Michigan. Um, so yeah, uh, is this? I'm trying to think. Clemson has a title in that time frame. Penn, or the Big Ten has two. The Pac-12 didn't win any, right? No, they didn't. The closest they got was Oregon, I believe. Oregon, and then the Big 12 didn't win one either. Uh, No. No. Uh, Oklahoma was close a couple times, but they they were at least made the semis. They had that that, double overtime loss to Georgia that one year. That was pretty pretty good, I think. They almost Uh, had them. I think they – didn't they have a game against Oregon too? Uh, I was. I think it was the game Oregon beat them to get to the final. I. I think. I'm not sure. Yeah. But yeah, Oklahoma. They Oklahoma was in the playoff a couple bunch of times. Lost. Notre Dame got in there. Lost. No, or, Oregon beat uh, Florida State because that was when Jameis oh, had right. that That's incredible fumble. Yes. Yes. <laughs> Jameis, the gift, <laughs> the gift that keeps on giving. Um. All right. So we're gonna talk about some other games here. Um, Jay, we're, I'm going to kick it back to you and both of us are big, big losers in the bowl season. Uh, Jay, you want to talk about your Aggies? Yeah. I mean, look, uh, I'm not here to make excuses, but for the Texas bowl, A&M had 50 scholarship players available. Uh, you know, they're down to their third string quarterback going into the game and then he gets hurt on the first offensive play of the game, and they're down to their four-string quarterback. You have walk-ons playing in the secondary. Uh, Oklahoma State was able to really capitalize on that. Uh, by the way, uh, before people like shit on the walk-ons, uh, mm-hmm. I do want to get this off my chest. Most of those walk-ons are better athletes than you could ever dream of being. Uh, yeah. To be a walk-on that gets playing time is – very 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 difficult even if like scholarship players are leaving uh like you have to be still a very very good athlete uh so like yeah they're not you know they're maybe not your scholarship guys but that is still a very difficult place to be in and and you're getting thrown in right into the fire against a very good oklahoma state team that was the runner-up in the big 12 uh but oklahoma state i thought this was going to be an ugly game because oklahoma state started pulling away and just uh you know, looked like AM wasn't going to be able to answer. And then Marcel Reed settles in a little bit in the second half, and, and AM fights back. And I'm proud of the guys for the fight that they showed. Uh, they still end up losing 31 uh, 23. But there's only so much you can do in, in these mm-hmm. situations. And then, you know, you're on to the next era with Mike Elko and, and uh, the guys that you have coming in, uh, both as recruits, transfer portal guys, and, and still some talent on the roster. So it's good to see the fight from the guys that are. Uh, going to be part of this new era, and uh, obviously we'll see. I mean, with, with Saban leaving, the SEC has some question marks now, so uh, definitely going to be interesting to see how everything plays out in 2024. Yeah, um, it's, you know, I, I watched that Texas A&M game, and, you know, Henderson goes down, and then um, who's Reese? Is that the name of the guy who came in, Reese? Uh, Marcel Reed. Oh, Reed, Reed, sorry. Marcel Reed. Um he comes in. I was with a couple, uh, two of my buddies. We we're just kind of watching the game at, at an establishment, and you know Henderson gets hurt, and we kind of look, and it says you know Reed, and it's like Mister Tennessee football, true freshman, Mister Tennessee football, threw for like six thousand yards, and my two buddies who aren't big college football guys, like yo, like that guy threw for like six thousand yards, and 
in high school. Like that's incredible. Um, and then his first throw is a duck, like just, just a total duck, but he settled in like good for him. Settled in a uh, listen, Texas A&M. I think they're going to be trending in the right direction. That right there against Oklahoma state who had what a pretty much a full squad. Like, yeah, they, this, I don't know that they had anybody sitting out maybe one or two, but like A&M struggling that they showed a lot of fight and they really showed a lot of fight all year. So I think Texas A&M is definitely going to be trending up. You have Mike Elko in there who knows that culture, who's going to build a, uh, we, we believe it's going to build a tremendous culture in A&M and you know, they're tearing up the transfer portal right now. That defensive line, I think is going to be awesome. You, you get, you get um, the big 10 sack leader. You have a, a big time edge rusher from Marshall. Um well, he he decommitted. We still have the Bowling Green. Oh, the Bowling Green guy. Sorry. Okay. <laughs> no. Anyway. I, anyway. Also, like you had Gabriel Brownlow, Dendy, and and David right. Hicks, and uh, you know, a lot of those young guys getting playing time, uh, with McKinley Jackson and Walter Nolan gone, uh, mm-hmm. and honestly, they did pretty well against Ollie Gordon in the rushing attack of Oklahoma State. So, uh, I think there's still bright things ahead for this defensive line unit for sure. And Coach Chaos. Oh, yeah, Coach Chaos, Sean, Sean Spencer, who's been around the block, uh, Penn State, with the with the Wild Dogs offensive line. Um, oh, they used to sell shirts that said Wild Dogs on them with, like, the, the bones. Oh, it was awesome. Um, hey, before I talk about Penn State's disaster of a peach bowl, um, I thought of something. We're going to go back to Saban here. <laughs> I mean, how could we not, really? Like, this is the I biggest know. story of Because I, I, I just thought of already. this. Um, I gotta make sure I spell this person's name right because I am I am one hundred percent gonna tweet this out. You know who was just fired today in the NFL? Mike Vrabel. Oh, I was that was not my first guess, but no, Pete Carroll. Pete, you think Pete Carroll has a couple more years in him? It'd be hilarious if uh, Lincoln Riley took the Seahawks job and and Pete Carroll took the USC job. I don't Uh think Pete Carroll comes back to college, though. I think uh, it's it's a very tiring game, and I think Pete Carroll is is happy uh, to kind of ride off into the sunset. Vrabel, though. And and I think that's the way you have to go. I think you you want a big-time coordinator there, you know? Or, or sorry, you want a old head coach um, in the NFL to come to your college because they're gonna they're gonna bring in minds that they know are gonna out scheme people, and you get to sell. Hey, I've been in the NFL before. Yeah. Hey, I know how this works. I'm going to. I'm going to. Uh, I'm gonna get you ready. Um, I tell you what, though, I would not want to be. I mean, I would personally. But if I'm like an actual coach, uh, I would not want to be the guy who follows Saban. <laughs> oh, don't. Hey, I was joking about the uh, James Franklin to Tuscaloosa thing, but uh, Thamel mm-hmm. just tweeted out potential candidates. James Franklin's on there and I'm already getting I'm already getting text messages saying, please take him. Um <laughs> Anyway, so I'm going to talk about the Peach Bowl now with Penn State. Uh, Penn State loses the Peach Bowl uh, 38-25 to Ole Miss. Um, 
Oh, uh, this is something I did want to say really quick. And this has no bearing on why Penn State lost. But listen, I, I like Lane Kiffin. I kind I like his antics. I like I think he's good for college football. He's definitely a character. Um but kind of laughing off creating a fake quote from a fake Penn State account, um, mentioning a player in it. Uh, not a fan of, I think that was kind of Bush league. If you want to create like a fake, if one of your staffers want to create like a pen, a fake Penn state account tweeting all sorts of craziness, fine. Um, but don't include a fake, tw- a fake quote from a player. That's not fair to Kobe King. Um, I think that was kind of Bush league. Um, because listen, college football fans we're we're insane. Some of us, some of the people way extreme and that's giving Kobe King probably some unwarranted attention. Um, so I'm not a fan of that. Um, but back to the game, this first half was a great football game, fantastic football game in the first half. And, you know, you see guys, you know, beforehand, you know, uh, James Franklin says that he talks to parents and players and, uh, agents about, Hey, what, how can you play in this game? What is, how can we get you to play in this game? But also what are you comfortable playing? Okay. What, so that you get to experience the bowl game. We get to have you on the field and that, you be, like you believe you're being taken care of. You know, Saquon Barkley, they limited his snaps at the Fiesta Bowl years ago. Um, they limited uh, Brenton Strange last year. So th- this is things that they've done. This year, I think you had too many guys on defense that were playing half snaps. Yeah. That were not playing there. Because to start the game off, you know, Chop Robinson opted out. Kalen King he never released a statement, so people were under the impression that he was going to play did not play at all. Olu Fashino, who said he was going to be at the Peach Bowl. Again, people were all upset. Oh, well, he said he was going to be there. Yes, he said he was going to be there with his team. No one ever asked him about playing. It was all very, if you listen to the words he was saying and the words of James Franklin was saying, Olu Fashino was not going to see a lot of time in this game, even if he did play. But it seemed like he did suit up, and it was a one of those things where, he was going to be an emergency guy. Like, Hey, if we need you to play because we have too many guys injured, you're going to go in there. Um, and then the other one, Johnny Dixon, the other cornerback who I, fell off the face of the earth. It, it did not sound great. Um, when Franklin was talking about it, um, they asked him, and he said, Hey, he's no longer with the team right now. Um, and that was it. Um, so something, something may have happened there. I thought everything was tight. They looked, on senior day, they looked, you know, very, very nice and cordial. So those were the guys that people knew, okay, we're, we're probably not going to see a lot. Then you have Curtis Jacobs saying he's going to play. And then you have um, uh, Adisa Isaac saying he was going to play. And, you know, they played about 12 snaps. Then once the second quarter in the start of the third quarter rolls around, I'm like, whoa, whoa wait a second. Where is everybody? Um, then Abdul Carter gets hurt in the second quarter. So now you have both corners out. You have both linebackers out. Um, you have your another Ed Rush, edge rusher out. And then before you know it, I'm looking at the defense. I'm like, half the starting lineup's not even playing anymore. 
And then that's when Ole Miss really started going on a run. But I think what this comes down to is I don't think the score is an indictment on the defense. I think if you watch this game, you're going to say, hey, the defense was dealing with a lot of moving parts, didn't have their defensive coordinator. The the offense let them down again. And I know they fired Mike Yursich, um, you know, uh, three weeks before the season ended. And they're, you know, going to be pretty basic on offense. But the offense needed to help out the defense in this game. And they were still just, eh, they were still just average. Um, started the game off like a house on fire. I was like, well, we're going to run, we're going to run down their throats. And, you know, Ole Miss adjusted and Penn State could not get the passing game going. This just could not get it going. Um, and lastly, um, you know, Jay, you mentioned this with, the walk-ons playing for A&M, you know, you have two, two young players starting at cornerback, starting the first game at cornerback for Penn state. Um, Cam Miller was, a, is a true freshman and had a rough game against uh, uh, AJ Harris or TJ Harris rough game uh, got cooked, but he was 85% of the time he was in good position. They just made a good pass, a good throw. Um, where he's in position, but he, he's like like a he was like a hand away. Like if he was literally he was right there, but they're making great plays. But the thing is, hats off to Ole Miss. They played really good football, complimentary football. They that team wanted to win that game. Um not saying Penn State didn't, it's just that Penn State was, you know, dealing with a lot at the time. And we're not gonna talk about this too much, but same thing with Ohio State's offense. Ohio State's offense had half of their guys down. You have two offensive linemen who are freshmen starting. You have a, a, a second-string quarterback starting who gets hurt the first play. Now you have a true freshman, um, a true freshman third-stringer in there. So it's, you know, Ohio State's offense, Penn State's defense, and they end up losing to two SEC schools who had great years, their best years in a very, very long time. and. I think they kind of definitely took advantage of that. But um, now, where does Penn State go from here? They have to figure out the offense. Hopefully, um, uh, Kanicki from Kansas can figure it out. Um, but, hey, Parker Washington from uh, uh, Ohio State at receiver, that should help. I think they still need more. But Is it uh, Parker Washington or uh, Fleming? Oh, sorry. Did I Julian, say Parker Julian Washington? Fleming? Julian, yeah. did you say Parker Washington? Yeah. <laughs> Sorry. No. The Parker only reason Washington. I caught that is because I know uh, he left because he's a he's a Texas guy. <laughs> yeah. Well, Par- yeah. Parker Washington plays for the Jaguars now. Um. Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry. Julian Fleming. Julian Fleming. Um. Could have used Parker Washington this year, but yeah, Julian Fleming yeah. is coming in. They still need more help. Um. But if the off if they can figure out the offense and make it just not average, they're going to be okay. Um. Oh, yeah, they were out Theo Johnson, too, on offense. But Tyler Warren's good. They're going to have a really deep tight end core next year still. But um, listen, uh, Penn State fans listening, I know you're out there. Um, listen, even next year, I, this is a this is probably a 10-win football team. <laughs> it's just 10-2, and two, probably again. Um, yeah. But, yeah you don't have knows? Michigan on the schedule. I wish they did, though. Because Michigan yeah. graduates 18 guys. They're going to have a new coach. You know, Harbaugh, it's it's over. Like, this is it. They Harbaugh's going to leave. They're going to lose, like, 
18 starters. I wanted to play Michigan next year because I don't think they're going to be that great. Um, you heard it here first, but nah. It listen, I would have loved for Penn State to be the first team to get all the all six New Year's Six bowls. I thought that would have been really cool to be the only team to have them all. But hey, Ole Miss, uh, Ole Miss took it to them. So hats off to them. Um, but I, I think Penn State's still going to be okay. Uh, they're gonna they're gonna be okay on defense um offensively they just got to figure it out hopefully the new coordinator can do it but i don't think all is lost hey who knows james frank james franklin to tuscaloosa i don't know we'll see um (laughs) all right uh jay we're gonna kick it back to you for the fcs minute yeah imagine james franklin going to tuscaloosa and uh whoever the new coach at penn state hires me as a ga that'd be awesome (laughs) that'd be awesome uh (laughs) <laughs> FCS Minute. Uh, we're looking for sponsors still, so if you want to sponsor the FCS Minute, make sure uh, you reach out to us. But uh, it was we did have multiple national championship games since we last recorded. Uh, the FCS national championship happened as well. South Dakota State, the Jackrabbits beat Montana uh, twenty-three to three, and I think South Dakota State goes down as one of the best FCS squads of all time. Uh, Stiegelmeyer retires last year after South Dakota State wins, and Jimmy Rogers is the new head coach. They don't miss a beat. I mean, the the Jackrabbits come in, and they were just a powerhouse all year, uh, dominated uh, almost every opponent they played. Obviously, some some teams were able to hang around, credit to them, but uh, you know, a 23-3 victory that really could have been worse than it was because uh, uh, South Dakota State had some issues. Uh, they had a couple of special teams miscues and, and, and interceptions from Gronowski that you don't usually see. But, man, that power running attack from, from South Dakota State is just a monster. Pain to defend. But uh, uh, hats off to that program. And, and I imagine they'll be back next year and, and still a very, very good team. Uh, that's the FCS Minute. Yeah, San Diego State is... Ah. What? Oh South- no! Sem- Se- oh, oh no! I broke the rule. Sorry, I I saw the initials. South Dakota, South Dakota State. Sorry, South Dakota <laughs> State, South Dakota State. Uh, probably one of the best FCS teams uh, in a while. I mean, well, I mean, those North Dakota State teams are really good, but th- this is one of the best FCS schools or the FCS programs. Or I think you go team. back to like the Kleeman or yeah. uh, Craig Bull years at North Dakota State. I mean, and this this team goes right up there with them. Yeah, absolutely incredible. Abs- <laughs> like it's um, South Dakota State. They, they were amazing. They blew everybody out. I mean, you beat Montana in the championship twenty three like by 20 points. You beat them by 20 points. That's like, again, if you win any game, of that magnitude by 20 points, like you're already solidifying yourself as one of the greatest ever. Um, no, South Dakota State, the Jackrabbits. What are your for the Jackrabbits? I feel like they're start. They're really getting out of North Dakota State's shadow. I two in a row makes it pretty yes. much that they're out of the shadow, and they've also beaten uh, North Dakota State. I think the, two or three times in a row as well. So yeah. Uh, yeah, I, I have to say that, mm-hmm. uh, including last year in the national championship. So, uh, yeah, I mean, again, watch FCS football, y'all. It, it's a it's, it's a really fun product. It is fun. It is fun. Um, all right, so this this is new. We haven't we didn't do this last year, but um, we're gonna do best of bowl season. So we're going to share some of the best games um, 
some of the best games from bowl season, kind of share some light. We're not going to spend a whole lot of time breaking it down, just kind of our, what our thoughts of them are. And then after that, we have surprises of bowl season, uh, some of the more surprising games that kind of um, stood out to us. But uh, bowl season, first weekend of bowl season, Jacksonville State beats Louisiana Lafayette 34-31 in overtime in the New Orleans Bowl in front of the ULL crowd, about an hour and a half drive. That is a home game. That is pretty much like a home game, Jay. Um, so Jacksonville State, Rich Rod, big win for them, bowl season. And they did it because there weren't enough uh, bowl eligible teams. So they got in. So yeah. good for them that they, they ended up getting in. But Gamecocks, first bowl win in their first season in the FBS. Yeah, that, that was awesome. I'm, I'm really glad that, that Jacksonville State was able to get in because of technicality because they did deserve to go bowling. And, and I think we mm-hmm. both agree that that rule about transitioning up from FCS is a little bit outdated. Uh, yeah, this was a fantastic game back and forth. Uh, kind of one of those games where you really didn't know who was going to come out on top. Uh, and obviously, you know, you think ULL has the advantage down there in New Orleans, you know, about a two-hour drive uh, from Lafayette to New Orleans. And uh it's just, uh, you know, this is what I when I tell people that bowl season is still a lot of fun. Uh, games like this and the next one are uh, what mm-hmm. I'm talking about. And speaking of that next one, uh, Western Kentucky with an all time comeback against Old Dominion to win in overtime in the famous Toastery Bowl in Charlotte. <laughs> no, um, watch this one. I had ODU. I thought ODU was going to pull this one out. A couple turno- late turnovers. Western Kentucky just stays in it and winning it overtime. I mean, that's how you do it. You get a timely turnover and that's how it's done. But no, Western Kentucky Hilltoppers beat ODU in overtime, 38-35. Uh, this next one, Jay, was looked a little fishy. Kansas <laughs> beats UNLV. Oh, we put in the tinfoil. Okay. A lot of us, not just me, a lot of us on the Bird app, we're putting our tinfoil hats on in the third quarter. Kansas is the um, 33rd or something, 33 or 35th um, least penalized team in the country. Okay? So they are in the top, more than the top third, all right, of least penalized teams, top quarter of least penalized teams. And they set a bowl record for the most penalty yards. I mean, it was ticky tack. If you could like, it was terrible. Um, and it was really keeping UNLV in this ball game. Um, it was just scoring back and forth. And then Kansas ends up pulling away, but you know, people were starting to say, Hey, UNLV, um, Las Vegas team, Vegas knows money. Who's keeping them in this game? Is something happening? Is something fishy going on? Um, but anyway, Kansas ends up winning. But this game was absolute banana land. Yeah, just uh, just a crazy amount of penalties, but it was a lot of fun. Uh, listen, Kansas's offense is very, very good and will continue to do so. Uh, they're going to be a threat in the new Big 12. Still a great year for UNLV. Uh, I know they didn't get to that 10-win mark that they really wanted to, but uh, I mean, it's a big turnaround for Barry Odom in that program in year one. Uh, the go-go offense with Brendan Marion. Mm-hmm. Big fan of Brendan Marion. I think he has a really bright future coaching. Uh, I think he's one to keep an eye on. Uh, but yeah, this was, a, this was a fun game. Uh, again, this is another example of uh, 
why we love bowl season because it, it it produces chaos. No, absolutely, and it did look like chaos. This next one, Gator Bowl, Tax Slayer Gator Bowl, to be exact. Clemson beats Kentucky 38-35. Um, you think this game's going to go one way, and then it goes another. Uh, this game looked like it was, you know, knife fight, back alley fight, defensive battle between Clemson and Kentucky, and then both teams figured out how to score in the fourth. Uh, this turned into a shootout late. Clemson ends up beating Kentucky. Um, listen, uh, this for me at least, this is a pro Devin Leary podcast. Um, like Devin Leary, I got you know mutual friends with him uh, from you know coming out of New Jersey, NC State. Got to meet his family. Awesome people. Uh, really rooting for the kid. Uh, thought you know last uh, last game of the season, last game of his college career. Wish he could have ended on the right note, but Clemson ends up winning winning this. And uh, fun fact, Devin Leary. For start first bowl game was the Gator Bowl. Now his last game's the Gator Bowl. Again, nice little book in there to his um college career time is a flat circle type, type of stuff. But anyway, Clemson wins this game in again, nothing going on, low scoring, and then turns into a shootout in the fourth. Yeah, I think there were four lead changes with seven minutes to go in the fourth quarter, which is absolutely insane. Uh I mean, this is another one of those incredible comebacks mm-hmm. uh, and then to get the comeback and then to also go back and forth. I mean, it was, this was a lot of fun to watch. Uh, you know, uh, Clemson kind of get it out. I don't think I expected them to, to get back in this game after they went down early. Uh, so hats off to, to them. And uh, you know, the, uh, this is again, just like the story of, I hope we keep these types of bowls around where it's, you know, not necessarily the top teams, uh, but, but two good teams that can produce uh, a, a fun game. Uh, mm-hmm. And now we move on to ritual sacrifice of a live mascot. <laughs> the first ever sacrifice of a mascot took place during the pop top pop tart bowl. Kansas state beats NC state 28, 19. And the memes that came out of this, I think that I think the uh, the name of the mascot was Stra- was it Strawberry? I think the name was Strawberry. I, I don't like naming. I, things I never found the name. Sac- I, I yeah. don't. I don't like naming things before they're sacrificed. You know, but this pop tart, <laughs> this mascot was everywhere, and then goes into this giant cartoon uh, toaster comes out of the other side and then the players and coaches ate the pop tart. So not, it's like, I almost said cannibalism, but then I realized a pop tart is not a human. Um, But yeah, this is, again, you talk about college football, what makes it great. And, you know, we love it without all the bells and whistles, but man, those bells and whistles make it a lot of fun. Dude, they uh, they just enhance the experience, and who doesn't love an enhanced experience? Uh, similar to the Duke's Mayo Bowl, where, by the way, West Virginia absolutely uh, demolished North Carolina. That was a lot of fun. Uh, it's those chaotic things like this and 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 the Mayo dump that really make college football uh, the weird, wacky place that we love. Right? Like it, it's this stuff is kind right. of in the culture already. The the weirdness and and the weird traditions and and the psychotic fans and all that 
is already in motion, we might as well just add some some stuff from the bowl games to just to make it a little bit more entertaining. I know it's it's fun. by the way, West Virginia, um, a a fluke hail mary away from going ten and two, or sorry, ten and three, ten and three. Yeah, how crazy is that? Neil Brown saves his job and listen. Hey, my Nittany Lions go to West Virginia to start the year to Morgantown. That is not going to be easy because they got a lot of people back. And they're they going to be fired up. And they are going to be fired up. Yes, they are. Um, they they lose, I think, one. They lose Zach Frazier on the O-line, but everyone else should be back. So it's – I hope it's a Saturday game. If, if that gets moved to Thursday, I'm going to be really disappointed. But if it's on Saturday – I think our tailgate crew is going to go down there and experience a, a weekend in Morgantown. Should be a lot of fun. But Pop Tart Bowl, and they've already said they're coming back. Pop Tart Bowl will be back next year. And Let's go! It, oh, love it. it. The thing is, I wish this one, this bowl in particular, has um, or uh, let's just say keeps um, keeps the same sponsor with Pop Tart because. This has been block the Blockbuster Bowl. It's been um, Champs, uh, Russell Athletic. Um, uh, it was. It, it's been a bunch of different things. I think it was Cheese It Two one year before the Cheese It Bowl went to the the old Cactus Bowl. This bowl's been a bunch of different sponsors. Um, so it would be nice for them to just kind of keep the uh, Pop Tart sponsorship. Uh, but now. We move to a New York concrete jungle where dreams are made of. Rutgers. Nothing you can't do. Um, the pinstripe bowl. Rutgers. Yes, you heard it correct. Rutgers. Uh, this is terrible podcasting, but we're doing the, the Italian hands right now. Uh, Rutgers beats Miami. The U. Rutgers beats the U. 31-24. Uh, Miami, the, the best part of Miami, this game for Miami were the last two minutes of the first half and the last two minutes of the second half. Other than that, Rutgers dominated. Rutgers, again, we're talking about Rutgers, manhandled Miami up front. Yeah. Manhandled them. Um, and, and here's the thing. Shiano is building something at Rutgers. Is it a national title contender? No. Is it a Big Ten contender? No. But he's creating a good culture and a good football team and if Rutgers keeps winning six seven games a year Shiano will be there should be there for a very long time because that's what Rutgers should expect to be just yeah. keep giving Especially us bowl games. yes keep giving us bowl games and you know you go to the pinstripe bowl you know right across the river not that far away from not that far away from Piscataway um or New Brunswick but uh Huge win for Rutgers, beating Miami. Something they couldn't really couldn't do during the Big East days, but Rutgers beats the U. Yeah, uh, just out physical them. Uh, I really like the running back from Rutgers. I can't remember is it Monin guy or something like that. Oh yeah, Monin. Uh, uh, he is a very physical runner. He's fun to watch. He runs angry. Uh, but yeah, this was a this was a beating up front for Miami, and I think they're going to have to kind of go back and, and reevaluate that program. Uh, big win for Rutgers. So uh, then we get to we kind of talked about him earlier. Uh, he's a great college co- football coach in his own right, and Craig Bull and uh, Wyoming mm. they beat Toledo with a last second field goal, and, and Craig Bull retires and rides off into the sunset. Yeah, he. Um... 
Yeah, the architect of, of that whole North Dakota State mm-hmm. dynasty in the FCS. I mean, Craig Bowl deserves all his flowers for sure. And, and you know, kept Wyoming relevant. I mean, I, I, I've always found myself rooting for Wyoming. I know you have, Jay. Um, but 7220, baby. He's just one of those guys. Bowl's one of those guys that it's just uh, great college football coach respected college football coach. I think everyone around the country respects this man. Um, just absolutely incredible. Um, but no, wins the Barcelona Arizona Bowl 16-15 on the last second field goal, avenging their overtime loss last year. But great news. Uh, great for Bowl. Um, great for all the pokes up in Wyoming. Um, I do like it when they win. Dude, by the way, I kind of like Arizona Stadium. Uh, they've kind of got some like cool designs yeah. at the stanchions. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I don't know. I mean, it just kind of seemed vibey, good fit for Arizona. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, shout out to Craig Bowl. Uh, I mean, great career again. Yeah, just so dominant at North Dakota State, and and really, uh, that became the FCS program uh, for a long time. Uh, moving on, we got LSU beating Wisconsin in a bit of a shootout in the Outback Bowl. Uh, I guess it's whatever it is now, it's right? The outback like, Bowl. It's always yeah. the Outback Bowl. It's it's the same reason that that Heinz Field will never be Acrisure. <laughs> yeah, get, get your Acrisure out of here. We don't we don't give Acrisure. What is Reli- What is ReliQuest? Uh, Acrisure. Nobody cares. <laughs> nobody. <laughs> nobody. Who cares? Who cares? Who cares? Probably what a Ponzi is, scheme. What is? <laughs> lots of Ponzi. Works with oh security. Uh, yeah. cyber rely quest is cybersecurity. Yeah, Ponzi scheme. It's a Ponzi scheme. Like guaranteed way. Wait, that's what Acrisure is too. There you go. Acrisure is also you. cyber. They're both cybersecurity. <laughs> like, um, so Wisconsin and shootout usually don't go together. Um, but well, L- listen, LSU's defense is not that great. We knew this coming in. Tata Mordecai looked really good. Uh, Wisconsin, uh, like, again. LSU, you watched this game. It looked like LSU had some better athletes on the corner, but Wisconsin, man, scheming, baby, getting guys open. Um, LSU did not have Jane Daniels. Um, I mean, listen, Jane Daniels is dynamic. That game probably would have been different um, with him. But listen, man, still gave up 31 points. Yeah. Still gave up 31. So like, let's just say that there's a reason that LSU is is changing over there pretty much their yeah, entire deep. Exactly. And it, it's crazy. Uh, uh, Wisconsin just got one of their better linebackers, uh, Curtis from LSU transferred to Wisconsin. But, you know, with Jane Daniels, though, I think this game is probably like 42, 31, you know, something like yeah. that. They probably score like two more times just because of how dynamic uh, Jane Daniels is with his um, legs. But LSU wins this. Listen, this is a 13th ranked LSU team. Nine and three going up against seven and five Wisconsin. You know, who's had their issues this year. So yes, LSU's a little, you know, LSU doesn't have Daniels, but this this is a seven and five Wisconsin team. Um, and they had them. They had them, but LSU wins it at the end. Excuse me. Um, but yeah, they end up winning um in Tampa. But uh heck of a game. Just absolutely fun game to watch. Yeah. I mean, so, it, 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 banger, another banger from bowl season. What can we it, say? Exactly. And again, we, we say this 
we don't know what's going to happen with some of these other bowls, but we hope they they stay intact because there's there is something to these games. You know, um, you, you tell some of these group of five teams they're no longer going to go to bowl games anymore. Like that sucks for them because the bowl experience is fun. Dude, and I watched Texas State fans drink SMU out of house and home. Uh, got to be there on the grounds for that. Right. Like, these games definitely matter to these group of five schools. Yeah, exactly. And SMU and even, get more beer. And even like again, Clemson and Kentucky. That's a you know, a, uh, you know, Clemson's ranked what like twenty third. Kentucky was hanging in the twenties all all year. Um, Kansas State, NC State was a ranked matchup. Those we need to keep those games. We need to keep those games. Listen, guys, if you're gonna be afraid of people opting out, people are already opting out. People are opting out of the Fiesta Bowl. People are opting out of the Peach Bowl and the um, all these other major bowl games. They're already opting out anyway. So might as well keep playing them. You know, might as well keep playing the bowls. I, I love bowl season. I don't want to see it go. Um, next. The surprises of bowl season, Jay. We had some surprises. We had some upsets here. Some of them we were on. Okay. Some of them you, I know you were on some of these. I was on some of these. But the one that surprised me first, a Birmingham Bowl, Duke beats Troy 17 10. Listen, um, I know a lot of people might be sitting like, oh, well, you know, Jake, Duke's a Duke's a power five team. Of course they'd beat Troy. Troy is a 10 win football team who will run the ball down your throat and has a good defense. Duke coaching going through a coaching change. Riley Leonard's out, but they have not looked like the same team without Riley Leonard. Still have a decent defense. I thought Troy was going to take advantage of that. I had Troy. I was high on Troy. Duke suffocated them all game, and you know Duke Blue Devils end up beating. Um, was it the Sun Belt champ? Yeah, they won the yeah. Sun Belt. They beat yeah. uh, they beat Appalachian State pretty handily. Yeah. Actually, so. Duke beats the Sun Belt champ in the Birmingham Bowl. I I was a little surprised by this one. Yeah, shout out to Troy for having a dollar fifty uh, beers uh, at their their stadium for the Sun Belt Championship. By the way, uh, but yeah, I wasn't as surprised just because Troy also going through a coaching change. Mm-hmm. Uh, they also lost some players to the portal, uh, but it's kind of like a hindsight twenty twenty deal. Also, Troy in their home state, and, and you know. The, the drive from Troy to Birmingham is about two hours, I think. Uh, yeah. So not not too bad of a drive there. Uh, but yeah, I mean, Duke, I felt like had more losses and, and it felt like Troy was going to win this game, but they end up coming out on top. Uh, Northwestern with a absolute knife fight against Utah, 14 to seven in the Vegas Bowl. Hang on. This isn't a knife fight. This was a rock fight. Sorry, a rock fight. This was a rock fight. I think knife fight. You got to give me a little more. This is rock. Rocks were used here. Uh, Northwestern beats the Utes in the Las Vegas Bowl. Um, Listen, we were both on the under. This did not surprise us. I think what did surprise us is that, listen, Utah's offense hasn't been good all year, but neither really has Northwestern's. And um, I think Northwestern just caught Utah – kind of took advantage of some field position and they end up with a huge, that's a huge win for Northwestern because this Northwestern team with all of the off the field things that happened with uh, Pat Fitzgerald, the firing there. And listen, even before the accusations, Pat Fitzgerald was on a bit of a hot seat at Northwestern. Like he was. Um, And you know, the hazing incident um, comes to light. So they can him. 
And this Northwestern team was ticked off and they end up, you know, winning some football games. They were supposed to have one win this year. They're supposed to be the worst power five team. And not only do they get to, they got to eight wins, correct? Eight and five. They get to not eight and five. No, eight and five. five, Yeah. And five. Not only do they get to eight and five, but they win the bowl game against Utah, the former PAC 12 champion. Huge for North, huge for Northwestern. Absolutely huge for Northwestern. Um, for them to get the Las Vegas Bowl. Shout out, uh, Braun. Yeah, great coaching performance. I mean, we saw a lot of great coaching performances this year. Uh, Jerry Kill, who's retired as well. Uh, we had, uh, I mean, Kalen DeBoer at Washington was a great performance. Uh, Barry Odom, who we already mentioned. There was a, Lance Leipold at Kansas. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, there was a lot of great coaching jobs this year. Uh, but, yeah, David Braun at Northwestern, super impressive. Uh, moving on to USC beating Louisville, uh, Miller Moss from, from the Trojans, just a great performance in the holiday bowl. Uh, I mean, I didn't think Louisville's offense was that good, but, uh, USC has just been kind of letting anybody score on them. Uh, (laughs) but the Trojans pulled away. I mean, uh, USC looked about as good as they have since the beginning of the season, uh, even without Caleb Williams in the game. So, so hats off to uh, to USC there. Yeah, um, USC's defense was is has been awful all year, and even though Louisville is hasn't really been lighting up scoreboards, I didn't think that. I thought that they would score more, and not only that, like USC's offense might still be pretty good. Like USC might still have a pretty good offense going into next year. Um, really kind of let down by Louisville. I thought Louisville would be more motivated going into this game. I thought they were going to be the team that was going to take it to USC and because they wanted to beat a big brand team, um, in a holiday bowl in a, you know, a decent bowl game. Um, I thought USC would be just totally disinterested, just kind of wanting to get the game over with, but no USC Miller Moss, uh, looked really good. And that's kind of show signs of life for next year for the USC Trojans. Yeah, uh, I think they're going to be a. I think they're going to be a threat in the Big Ten. Uh, although it'll be interesting to see some of those stylistic matchups that we kind of talk about with the national title game coming from the Pac-12, which is a little bit more wide open to a more physical league. Uh, Boston College, kind of a surprising win, even though they were at home against SMU. Uh, this is a future ACC matchup, but uh, Boston College gets the win in this one, twenty-three fourteen at Fenway. Uh, the rain was coming down. I mean, there were standing water on the field. Uh, miserable conditions for SMU. Uh, but this is an SMU team that won their games this year with defense uh, for a lot of uh, a lot of the season. I know that's not what you really expect from an SMU team, uh, but that's just kind of how they got the job done. And, uh, you know, Boston College, great performance for them, for Halfley. Uh, I think this was a little bit of a, a, a surprising season for BC in a lot of ways, especially when they start off losing uh, to Northern Illinois. Uh but a uh, good rally, good rally for this mm-hmm. program. And, uh, and I, I don't expect too much from them uh, next season, but uh, this was a surprising result nonetheless. Yeah. And I was big on Boston college covering. Um, I thought that was uh, pretty much a lock for them to cover. It was a, like a home game for them. I think SMU, the weather did not help them. The weather did not help them. 
It's cold. It's in Boston. And they got screwed out of a New York's uh, a New York's uh, New York. Listen to me. A New Year's Six Bowl. SMU yeah. should have been the team going to the Fiesta Bowl. They should have been going and playing Oregon. But they didn't. They elect Liberty, who played nobody during the season. Nobody. And I know we say that all the time, and I know it's the overused phrase. They ain't play nobody. Yeah, Liberty literally played nobody. They played a soft non-con schedule, and then they were neck and neck with New Mexico State until um, – oh, man – I want Pieva, P, Pavia, Piva, Piva. Before Piva gets hurt, um, they should have took SMU. They didn't. Oh, what's S? Oh, SMU gets screwed out of the NY six. Oh, what do? What's their consolation? You get to go to Boston to play six and six Boston College. Yeah, not getting, not getting up for that one. Um, so I do kind of feel bad for SMU there. Um, surprised that Boston College won by two scores. Was not surprised that Boston College covered though, but um, yeah, this was this was an ugly game. Um, but Jay, this next one, you kind of saw this one coming. I did not. You had this one. Yeah, yeah, and 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 listen, uh, this Memphis team I think was overlooked for a lot of the year just because they're a Group of Five team, and and then they had uh, three losses. But you go and look at those losses; it's a one-score loss uh, to to Missouri, who is obviously a very good football team. It's a, it's a 10 point loss to Tulane who ended up going to the American uh, mm-hmm. championship for the second year in a row. And then a one score loss to SMU. Uh, so this is a very, very good Memphis team uh, that kind of got overlooked uh, and they're playing at home against Iowa state. And, you know, Memphis kind of has a knack for, for beating uh, power five teams when they come to visit. Right. Uh, Ole Miss and Mississippi State have both found out uh, firsthand what can happen in in the Liberty Bowl. Uh, but yeah, hats off to Memphis. I mean, their offense, Iowa State just couldn't slow them down, and it was a it was a really impressive performance for the Memphis Tigers. Uh, and they'll be one to watch as one of the best group of five teams next year. Yeah, and like I I I wasn't that aware that Memphis all their close games were two good opponents all their yeah. losses. And now they get to 10 wins to beat Iowa state, Iowa state to me, I thought they were going to come in this game. You know, Matt Campbell is inevitable. He's going to coach his guys up. He's going to, you know, good game plan, the whole thing. But uh, Memphis just looked better. Memphis just looked like a better football team. And that's, that's what we got. Um, so hats off to the Memphis Tigers that the, you know, after Norvell left, I think a lot of people thought, Hey, is, are, are we still going to be okay in football? Like is are we going to be all right? And I think this proves that hey, Memphis is still good. Memphis is still a a solid football program, um, one of the better ones in the group of five. Yeah, no doubt. Uh, and then finally, we have <laughs> Maryland absolutely dog walking Auburn. It was uh, reminiscent of the beating that New Mexico State beat on the Tigers uh, at the Music City Bowl in Nashville. Uh, what do you make of Hugh Freeze saying that he was spending a lot more time on recruiting and not as much on the game planning? Uh, I would, I make of it of Hugh Freeze making ex- that, that to me is making excuses. Yeah. That's making excuses to me. It doesn't um, sound great. That doesn't sound great. And it's also, dude, you're a college football coach. That's what you need. Like, 
you know this. You have to recruit during this time. Now, if you want to say after the fact, hey, I don't think we should open the transfer portal until after everyone is done, that is a fair criticism. That's a fair criticism. But to say I was more focused on recruiting, so was Mike Loxley. Listen, Mike Loxley did not have their starting – Talia Tagovailoa did not play in this game, which, by the way, uh, Jay and I, big, dumb, stupid idiots, uh, switched our bets because we were on Maryland plus two and a half, and then Talia said he wasn't going to play, and we were like, okay, well, we're switching this because, you know, Auburn might just have better Jimmys and Joes, and we've seen uh, Maryland play without him, and nope. Edwards comes in and just slings it all around. Maryland's defense suffocates the Auburn Tigers. Um, And that's the other thing. I I know Auburn has their fair share share of transfers, but like, wasn't like Maryland was playing with the full deck either. They put up 31, and I know that turnovers had to do with it, but Mike Loxley in bowl games is fantastic. And Jay, this is why. And we talk, we've talked, you and I have talked about this before, not on air, but we've talked about this before. We talk about September, Maryland and how September, Maryland always looks good. And we always talk about November, Maryland never looks good. And I just think it's rest. I think this team is, they get some high end guys. They get some great athletes. And I think they're banged up in November. And I think that this team just needs some rest because we've seen Maryland beat Texas in back-to-back years in September. We've seen yep. Maryland beat the crap out of West Virginia in College Park. And then we've seen Maryland in bowl games, you know, win win bowl games convincingly. I just think Maryland in September and no December are a lot different than Maryland in October and November. And I think it has to do with that. I think depth is a big issue there. Uh, and then to be fair, that's why, you know, the top programs are the elite programs, right? Like you have to have depth uh, to really compete. Uh, but yeah, that's the uh, surprises of bowl season. Uh, like we have one more little thing that we're going to talk about uh, before we close out the podcast. Oh, yeah. Uh, but I do want to read you off another Saban fact since this is basically oh, the yes. next Saban episode. Oh, yes. So in his tenure at Alabama, Nick Saban had 29 losses. In that same time frame, he produced 44 first-round picks. <laughs> so Nick Saban produced more first-round picks than losses in his time in Alabama. Yep. That is incredible. Insane. Absolutely incredible. Um, I, Jay, I have a legitimate question I need to ask you here. What's the first headline on this pod? Is it Michigan wins the national title, or is it Nick Nick Saban retires? I think it's Nick Saban retires. I think so too, with the quote with parentheses live reaction. Yeah, wild, absolutely wild. <laughs> um, all right, last thing we're going to do today. Uh, we were thinking about maybe doing a uh, who are the 12 teams in the playoff next year, but we're not going to do that. We're just going to say this. Who we think way too early, who is the final four next year? I'm going to kick this off. <laughs> I think it's going to change from what the original recording was. <laughs> mm. So 
Okay. You know what? No. I'm not going to change. I'm not going to change it. So, I think way too early. Who's the in the Final Four next year? Georgia. I like Georgia. I like Oregon. I love Oregon next year. I think Oregon's going to be a really, really good football team. Ole Miss. I know they just lost uh, Quinshawn Junkins to Ohio State because that's just what Ohio State does. They, oh, we don't have people. Ohio State uses the transfer portal like a grocery store. They just go in and just they just say, oh, we need one of these guys. Eh, all right, we're going to take them because they have all the resources and money to do it. Um, so, yeah, I think Ole Miss is going to be in there. And I still think Alabama gets in. I think Alabama has enough there, even without Nick Saban, that they will be very successful next year. I don't know how it's going to be in two or three years, but I think they're going to have enough next year to keep it going. Dare I say, Jay, dare I say this? Do you think some of those guys that like that, those players that stick around, do you believe that they might have a little bit of a chip on their shoulder? Not like in a bad way, but of, hey, like we want to show that we can win without him. Uh, I, I, not, not in a negative sense, not in a like, screw that guy, but in a, hey, like. But hey, it's more of like, a, hey, everybody's going to be talking about we're not going to be able to win without him. Let's go prove him wrong. Yes, yes, exactly. And it's it's not to prove Saban wrong. It's to prove like media outlets and stuff like that. I think that's yeah. going to be big time bulletin board material. So I'm going to stick with uh, Alabama. Uh, SEC is going to be back with a vengeance. It's going to be something I absolutely hate. Yeah. Um, I think the Big Ten is going to be down next year. Yeah. I think the Big Ten and is going to be down. Who knows who that uh that coach that steps into Alabama might be. I mean, we might see like a Dan Lanning from Oregon or like a Dan. Lane Kiffin from mm-hmm. Ole Miss step in and be that guy. Uh, Sark from Texas, maybe. I, think, I don't know. I think Lane Kiffin to Alabama would be such – that would be such a downer for Ole Miss because of the expectations you have going into the next year. Because, Jay, you know. Yeah. You know, some of those guys from Ole Miss would go with him. Part of me wonders if Lane Kiffin getting the talent that he has out of the transfer portal and and going as all in as he feels it feels like they are for twenty twenty four might be because he caught wind of of Saban leaving Alabama and saying, "Hey, this is a good chance to to come out of the SEC this year." Part of me wonders if that's not the case. Uh, and if he's not likely to get considered for the Alabama job and, and he stays at Ole Miss, but he has a good roster there. Uh, mm-hmm. Just just something to think about, food for thought. But uh, for my four, uh, I'm going to go with Georgia as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm going to go with USC coming out of the oh. Big Ten. I think they're going to take a big step forward, even really? without Caleb Williams. I think uh, like Miller Moss, his performance in the bowl game was good. It was and good. Maybe you don't. Maybe you don't have to rely on one guy to win all that those games for you. And that, it felt like USC did that at times with Caleb. Uh, then I'm going to go with Ole Miss as well, just because I think all the talent they have coming uh, in, as well as what they have on the roster with Jackson Dart as a, as a good quarterback. Uh, I think Ole Miss is going to be very good next year. Uh, and then I have Ohio State. I think uh, Ohio State is going to be a really good team next year. It feels like just like a bounce back year, right? Like, 
there's been a lot of negativity about that program. And, mm-hmm. you know, Michigan's obviously losing a lot. So it feels like Ohio State could kind of bounce back and, and be in that final four group uh, as we go into the 2024 season. No, I, I love it. Um, I don't, I th- think here's the thing with Ohio State. Ohio State, th- they're never going to be down and out ever, ever. They're always going to be in it. But like I said before, like, Right when you think, hey, they might have to rebuild, like they might have to go through a rebuild, like they get some big time recruit that's a difference maker, or now they're going to get guys out of the portal. It's just, and Jay, I, I mean this wholeheartedly. The Ohio State over the last 10 years or the last 15 years is not the same Jim Trussell Ohio State. It is different. No. Like, I don't think people – I mean, I know everyone says, well, Ohio State, they've always been good. Yeah, they have. It, and, again, it all changed when Urban got there. Yeah. It all changed when – like, towards the end of the Trestle years, yeah, they were still very, very good. But when Urban got there, it changed, man. It's – now they're they're all in on football. They've They're – they are all bought in and turned themselves into football. If you thought they were a football factory at the end of the Trestle years, oh, they're not even. They've really turned into it uh, once Urban Meyer got there, um, probably selling their soul in the process. But um, <laughs> listen, uh, I think next college football season is going to be great. We hope We hope that all the bowl games live. We hope all the bowl games live. We hope that, and I think we've got it, some parody back in college football. Like, how much fun was it this year? Those games, yeah. man. Like, no one's the big like unranked over ranked upsets, but there was a lot of good close games. Uh, mm-hmm. I had a lot of fun watching college football this year. Yeah. Had a lot of fun going to a lot of different venues. Mm-hmm. Uh, actually, OU won for hosting me at uh, Happy Valley. Mm-hmm. Uh, we got to get you back down to Cow Field for a night game at some oh, point. Oh yeah. Oh God, I'd love to do what that. What a man. year! What a year! What Shout a out year. to South Dakota Mines for hosting me on my Sinjay mm-hmm. away trip. Uh, just so many, so many great games. No, it, it was so many great games. And listen, I enjoyed you and me both defensive guys. Um, enjoyed Michigan, who their bread and butter was went into the trenches, play great defense, run the football, smash mouth football, and that's how they won. And I, I think that is going to be a new thing in college football now is get big good offensive linemen and get to the quarterback and i think that what we're going to see with michigan the last couple years is something that i think a lot of other teams are going to time um, is a flat circle exactly we got away from it then it was all about west coast and flash and speed which is very important by the way not saying it's not but i think teams are going to really start looking at their offensive and defensive line and really thinking, okay, I think we're going to build around here and then we're going to build our team out from there. Yep. Um, Either way, can't wait for 2024. Oh, it's going to be great. going to be great. Um, so we will be back, uh, I don't know, probably June, July, late June, July is usually when we start back up again. Um, in the meantime, follow us on social media. Uh, follow me at CFB Jake on the Twitter slash X. Follow our main uh, Twitter account, at the GB coach also have an Instagram get back coach um, all one word no spaces um, and 
Also, I have a TikTok now too, which I got to start getting on. That. <laughs> I'm going to be posting yeah, a lot more stuff that. there. Um, and Jay, where can they find you? It's at Coach Jay Arnold, correct? At Coach Jay Arnold on Twitter. Uh, and, and, and it will always be Twitter. We're never going to call it X. Elon Musk is an idiot. Uh, <laughs> anyways. Uh, that's going to go off well with half our audience. Okay. <laughs> anyway, I mean, Jay. <laughs> listen, just a bad business decision to throw away that social capital. Come on now. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh, God. Uh, but thanks for joining us. Make sure you rate us. Uh, make sure you subscribe, give us five stars, do all that stuff that helps us grow. If you want to sponsor us, consider reaching out to one of us. Uh, happy to sit down and talk with you. I mean, I feel like it'd be a pretty good investment the way we've grown over the past couple of years. Uh, and again, we can't wait to see all y'all in, in 2024. Who knows? Maybe we, we get a little sponsor, get a little budget. Maybe we go uh, do a little get back coach road trip at some point. Maybe that's something that's in the cards. I I hope it is in the cards, but no, we uh, kind of piggybacking off of what Jay said, you know, thank you guys for listening to us. Uh, you know, we've, we've grown a lot over the last two years, finally, uh, finally getting a steady audience, finally getting some follows, but Hey, listen, if, if you know somebody, tell a friend, um, if you know someone that loves college football, definitely tell them about us. Even if it's someone that casually watches college football and you know that they want to get more into it. Um, I, you know, I think this we're a great podcast for diehards and casuals alone. We we don't gatekeep here, um, so <laughs> we just gaslighting girl boss. Yeah, no <laughs> we might gas no. we might gaslight, but we're not going to gatekeep you. But no, <laughs> tell a friend, give us ratings. Listen, if you guys give us a rating and you know, tell a friend, that's how we grow. That's how we end up in people's, um, you know, for you on what or however you uh, listen to this um, by giving us ratings and stuff like that. So definitely give us a rating, uh, leave a comment. Um, great year. We, we keep growing every single year, little by little. Um, we're very excited for, for next year as well. Um, and if you know a potential sponsor, also let us know. Our DMs are always open. Um, from us at the Get Back Coach, We'll be seeing you soon.